ो मित्रुण शोवत्ंद्र बृहस्पति शो विष्णुक्रम नमो ब्रह्मणे नमस्ते वायमेव प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्मसी प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्म वदिष्या वदिष्या सत्यम वदिष्या तन्मावधु तद्वक्तावधु मवतु वक्ता सहनावधु सहनौ भुन सह वीकवाहै तेजस्वीनावधीतमस्तुम विद्वहै छंदृषभ विश्व छंदोभ्यमृतासंबूव समेन्द्र मेधयाणारण भूयास शरीर मे विचर्षण जिह्वा मे मधुमत्तमा कर्णाभ्यां भूरी विश्रुवं ब्रह्मण कोशोसी मेधया पीद श्रुत मे गोपाय ओ शाशाशाशा ओ अहम वृक्षरिव कीर्ति पृष्ठंगिरेव ऊर्धपवित्रोवाजिनी वस्वृतमस्मे द्रविण गुंसवर्चस सुमेधा अमृतोक्षिशंखोर्वेदाचन शाति 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 पूर्णमदूर्णमीद पूर्णमुदच्यते पूर्ण से पूर्णमादा पूर्णमेवशिष्य ओ शाति 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 श्रुतिस्मृतिपुरा आलय करुणाल नमा भगवत्दशंकोकशंकराचार्य केशव बादरायण सूत्रभाष्यकृत वंदे पुनः 
ईश्वर गुरुरात्मेरे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमवद्व्याप्तदेहाय दक्षिणामूर्तये नमः अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अवां मनसगोचरम अवां मनसगोचरम आत्मानमखिलाधारम आत्मानमखिलाधारम आश्रये भीष्टसिद्धये आश्रये भीष्टसिद्धये अर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदान अर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदान अतीतद्वैतभानतः अतीतद्वैतभान गुरूनाराध्य वेदांत गुरूनाराध्य वेदांत सारं वक्ष्ये यथामदे सारं वक्ष्ये यथामदे concluding this text with the discussion on jeevan mukta which is a phalam which is a result of the pursuit of knowledge <coughs> it is said that even jeevan mukta the one who is liberated also pursues this world as everyone else does except that he does not give reality to the world meaning he knows the reality of what he perceives Whereas an ordinary person takes as real whatever he perceives, this one here knows what is perceived is unreal. And he performs his functions all right. He also performs functions through his mind, through his sense organs, through the body, as anyone else would do, and the mechanism of performance of actions is the same, and still he does not perform. Inasmuch as he does not have what we call kartrutva or the sense of agency. He also seems to... experience various situations in life the pleasant and unpleasant thus at the level of our observation or from the standpoint of the onlooker the experiences in life are also going on as everyone as in the case of everyone else but still he does not experience in as much as he does not have what to call bhuktrutva or the sense of enjoyership so this is a distinction distinction between an ignorant man and the wise man is that apparently the vyavahara or the transaction dealing is appears to be similar but then the wise man in spite of performing action does not perform action because he has no kartrutva in spite of experiencing enjoying the life or gaining experiences of life passing through the various experiences of life he does not really get tainted by the experience because he does not have bhuktrutva it is kartrutva and bhuktrutva which are the signs of bondage bondage expresses itself as aham and mama i and mine also as kartrutva and bhuktrutva the sense of doership the sense of enjoyer self when i perform an action with kartrutva or a sense of doership then i am responsible for the result of the action and when i experience a result with bhuktrutva or the sense of enjoyership then naturally that experience also creates a reaction in me where bhuktrutva or sense of enjoyership is there reaction will be there where kartrutva is there in performance of action the bondage with action is there so how is the self bound with karma or action because self cannot be connected with action 
But only way he is as though connected is his kartrut or the sense of doership. How is self-bound with various experiences in life? Again, he is untouched by all of them and still he is as though connected through what we call the sense of bhaktrutva, the sense of enjoyership. So while responding to the world, if we respond with the sense of enjoyership, then those experiences will create reactions in us. And while performing action in the world, so while responding when when relating to the world, so when I when I gain various experiences from the world, if there is bhaktrutvam, enjoyership, those experiences will create reaction. While responding to the world in terms of performance of action, if I respond with what we call kartrutva, the sense of doership, then those actions become binding actions. <coughs> so how in spite of performing actions he remains unbound? While in spite of gaining various, passing through various experiences, he remains untainted. And thus, he remains a free person in spite of apparently performing all the various vivahara or the transactions that everyone else does. As we said, that he, there is to be understood a distinction between pratidi and drashti. Pratidi is perception. Drashti is the vision or the knowledge. And the perception the, is, is apparent, is the same, but his understanding of what he perceives is quite different. So that is very important. That's where the wisdom comes. What, I, what do I understand about what I am perceiving? And that understanding is quite different inasmuch as he knows the self to be one. He knows the oneness obtaining everywhere. Dvayam cha pasyannabi cha advayatvatah Since he knows the non-duality of the entire existence and therefore even though perceiving the duality he has no, does not perceive inasmuch as he does not give reality to this duality. Kurvannabi nishkriyascheha In spite of performing action he is nishkriyaha, he is actionless. Sushuptavad jagrati he is awake all right, but like sleeping. So, in the in this, that's one way of looking at it. That in the waking state also, he is as though asleep. Just as in the sleep, we do not see the duality, and so also in the waking state, he does not see the duality. When we say he does not see, he does not see with his mind's eye. In the waking state, with his physical eyes, he does see the duality. But in the mind's eye, he does not see the duality. <coughs> so, waking... He is like in sleep. While, perform, while relating to the duality, he does not because in his mind there is only the non-dual. While performing action, he does not perform actions because he knows himself to be akarta, non-doer. <coughs> this is Saatmavet na anyahati ihanischaya. Says Shankaracharya in his text called Upadesha Sahasri, iti ihanischaya. This is my nischaya. In this world, this is my firm conviction that the one who is such alone is Atmavit or the knower of the self and no one else. Meaning, the knowledge of self culminates into this state. <coughs> That's the idea. This is the potential that one has to grow. And unless one has completely explored this potential, one has not grown to the ultimate limit. And one should not be satisfied. That's the idea. Saiva Atmavit. He alone is a knower of the self. That performing action, there is no burden of action at all. While gaining various experiences, there is no reaction, whatever. 
When there is no reaction, you would think that what, what's the point in having a life like that? No, reaction is that which deprives me of the happiness which is natural to me. If there is no reaction in the mind, then the mind is cheerful, happy. Like the water, when undisturbed, it is a clear reflecting pool. Only when you disturb its surface, then its reflecting ability is affected. Or if there is dirt in there, then also its reflecting ability is affected. When there is not there, then the mind is like the clear reflecting pool of water. It's prasanna, it's clear, transparent, and therefore cheerful, happy, naturally, effortlessly. So this person is effortlessly happy. Because happiness is the nature. Freedom is the nature and therefore he's free, happy, spontaneous, in harmony, at home. This is what one can be. And this cannot be unless one knows the non-duality. Even if there is the slightest duality, there will be a compromise in freedom. As Taitri Upanishad says, you know, Udaramantaram kurde asatasya bhayam bhavati. If one creates even the slightest duality between oneself and anything else, there is some fear, there is some reservation, understand. There is always a reservation in our mind, there is always a need to, uh, there is always some strain or stress involved in there whenever we are functioning in the realm of duality. The life of duality is a stressful life. Of course, upon the duality we superimpose lots of other things and, and increase the stress. <coughs> but the stress is involved in the very duality. That you are different and I am different. When that duality is there, there is a stress. I'm not totally, I cannot be totally at home in an environment which is different from me, where I experience a separation. So when there is an experience of separation, there cannot be at-homeness, totally. To the extent that sep- that separation is dissolved in love or in wisdom, to that extent one feels at home. And so, that at-homeness is totally there for the wise man who does not feel separation with anything in any condition. So this is how, this is the potential of human life and this is a real accomplishment. So Vedanta always looks at the accomplishment of life in terms of freedom because that is where the joy is. I am happy at the moment when I am free and that happens by grace of God today that I find myself free occasionally. Something happens. Somebody wrote a few nice lines about me, I just felt happy. Somebody smiled at me in the morning and you know, that's it, I felt happy. Somebody gave me a little present on that day, I was happy. So, happiness that I experience today is is by chance. <coughs> but that is when I feel free. That's the moment when I experience that freedom and that's why I'm happy. So that freedom is stifled at the moment on account of various complexes, on account of various reservations, on account of various insecurities and fears. And these are all the various things stuffed in and all of them get released in the... they get burnt in the Vedantic language. Says Lord Krishna, Nahi sadusham pavitram vidyate. There is nothing, there is no purifier greater than knowledge. Knowledge is the greatest purifier. Yathayidhamsi samidbhognihi basmasat kurutayarjana jnanagnis sarvakarmani basmasat kurutayatatha Just as a blazing fire it reduces to ashes all the wood and so also that is added in there and so also the fire of knowledge 
completely burns all the bondage. <coughs> and so one can become, this is the Siddhi or the accomplishment, this is the greatest power. And whatever power there is within oneself, that becomes evident, manifest. And really, we should say that, as Bhagavad Gita also describes the uh, devotee, the power of devotion, that power of love and everything automatically becomes manifest. That compassion, kindness, love, which is naturally there, all of these become, which are stifled, bottled up inside, in and through these complexes which do not let them manifest. So personality doesn't become really, you know, flower or manifest because all the time it is crushed under the burden of our own fears and insecurities out of ignorance. And the wise man is the one who is free from that. So that is the freedom we are talking about. Moksha, the freedom that Vedanta talks about, is not some other kind of a out-of-this-world condition. It is something that we do experience now and then. And something which we always cherish. Even if a person wants some powers and some accomplishments, you know, at the material level, it is only because that person associates freedom with those accomplishments or powers. But the real freedom is not in achieving anything. Always it is praptasya praptihi. It is attainment of what is already attained. And therefore, only when the mind becomes free from this idea of having to achieve something at any level, then alone it can own up what it is. The mind is not able to own up what it is because it's always hung up with what is not. And that's where the vairagya, the dispassion comes. So viveka discrimination is required. What are you seeking in life? Understand you're not seeking wealth, you're not seeking powers, you're not seeking anything. You're seeking simple, plain and simple freedom. That's all the human heart is seeking. And that is not something that you have to get from elsewhere. It is right the nature of the mind itself. Because nature of mind is the self. That's the reason why the mind completely dissolves or merges into the self when it's free from all projections. That's what they call nirvikalpa samadhi. As long as mind projects, there is savikalpa, the distinctions are there. When the mind is completely resolved because there's no need to project at all, it loses its separate existence in that sense. And therefore that freedom is right there, which is the nature of the mind. It has to be recognized and owned up. And thus Vedanta presents before us this ideal and most practical ideal. See, this is where, this is the only place where they don't talk of any siddhis or powers or miracles. Everywhere else you'll find always the glorification of powers and miracles. Here there is glorification of knowledge, which brings freedom. And that is so, you know, it is something that we can relate to. You cannot relate to all those other things, you know. You can get fascinated by them and you can adore them, whatever you can do. But you always remain, you know. So you place those things at a higher altar and you always worship them, you know, from a very lower plane, thinking that it is not for you. So Swamiji often says that people call their gurus Bhagwan, you know. That's easy for people. Whatever happens to that person who is called Bhagwan, but it's very convenient for the devotees because by placing that guru on a higher pedestal, you can always look up to him and worship him and seek his protection so that you need not have the responsibility of becoming Bhagwan. <laughs> and therefore, very often, all of these becomes, you know, sometimes escape, escapism also. That's why they sometimes, you know, this 
too much of worship, etc., if it is an escapism, one has to be just careful that worship always is of that freedom. That's what is Brahma, that is God. And more clear, as much clarity I have, so my worship also becomes properly directed. <coughs> but this is Jivan Mukta. This is the goal or the objective presented to us by very practical. Very practical. Why practical? Because this is something that I cherish every moment. And if I find myself cherishing other accomplishments, it's only because I do not have that viveka or discrimination of what I am seeking. When that discrimination comes, then I realize, why do you need anything? Why do you want any accomplishment? As I told you the other day, somebody asked a Mahatma, Swamiji, when you study Vedanta, then what siddhis, what specialties and, you know, what powers do you get? He said, well, Vedanta is for shedding off these things and not of acquiring them. We have acquired enough burden, understand? We have acquired enough burden with our own selves of ignorance and all the products of ignorance and a whole host of those things. And in, in, in the mytholo- mythology in India, when they describe the demons with all their big armies, etc., it is nothing but the army of this ignorance and its products. And when you see a Rama fighting with Ravana, it is nothing but, you know, the knowledge fighting with ignorance and burning it away. And so, it is that uh, which we have to get rid of. In short, we have enough burden. There is enough load within ourselves and there is no need to acquire anything more. Even in terms of, that's why no possessions are necessary. Nothing is necessary because enough stuff is already there. It's a matter of getting rid of things and therefore, whenever you acquire something, that thing comes along with its blemishes. You cannot gain anything without also having to uh, accept whatever limitations and blemishes are those with those things and therefore, Vedantin doesn't want anything. Parachah kaman anuyanti baraha te mrityor yanti dvitasya pasam pasam says Yamaraja in Kathopanishad that this baraha, this children, the childlike people, parachah kaman anuyanti, they always look outward and always seek the pleasures and accomplishments extra outward other than themselves. Te mrityor yanti dvitasya pasam and they quietly enter the snares of the death, which are spread everywhere, which is spread everywhere, they enter there. Atadhiraha amrutattvam viditva dhruveshu adhruvam adhruveshu dhruvam adhruveshu ihanat prarthayande. Atadhiraha, therefore the wise people. Amrutattvam viditva. They know what is the nature of immortality, and therefore they do not ask for anything impermanent. So they don't seek the permanent in and through the impermanent. Those who want the permanent, they do not depend upon or do not look to impermanent things for the permanent that they want. So what man wants is the permanent. And nothing in the world is permanent. Therefore, nothing can give me that permanence or everlasting freedom that I want. This is Viveka and Vairagya. And this Vairagya, the dispassion, is what will release the mind from its extrovertedness, from its projections. <coughs> And that culminates ultimately into the abidance in one's own self. As Panchadi said, that this Advayanandasya, this Advayananda, Atma is Advayananda, then it's Dvaya, Dvaitam, Dvaya and Dukhita. Atma feels a duality and feels unhappy, is called Bandha, is bondage. And so, Svasvarupa Vastitihi, 
avoidance in one's own nature is freedom. That is moksha. <coughs> All right, having said this, now a couple of further questions are asked here. Nanu asya jivan muktasya yogi shurasya mama punya papale shonasti the human vasad yase stacharna prasangamasanke pariharadi. Will it be when you say that the wise man is free from doership, enjoys it totally free? So when he's totally free, then he's free from punya punya vivarjita panthaha. Says Bhajagovindam. Shankaracharya in Bhajagovindam he says, Ratya charpata virachita kantha punya punya vivarjita pantha yogi yoga niyojita chitta ramate balon mattava deva describing a wise man a picture he gives us in a text called bhajagovindam ratya charpata virachita kantha what kind of garments is he wearing he has covered his body with a quilt quilt made of what made of the rags, which he picked up from the streets. So in the streets are some rags, some pieces of cloth lying. So in India, this is quite common, that you pick up those things and then stitch them. And, and you have a, 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 a variegated, you know, this quilt, all different colors and different patterns, you know, that's what you have. And since this person does not possess anything, therefore, he, the only cloth that he has, only thing that he uses in order to just protect his body from the cold, etc., is this quilt made of the rags picked up from the streets and sewn together, sewed together. And what's the path on which he walks? Punya, punya, vivarjita, panthaha. He is the one who walks on a path that is beyond punya and apunya, beyond punya and papa, or merit and demerit. He doesn't take the path of merit, nor does he take the path of demerit. Both of them require kartrutva or the doership. To say that this is merit and this is demerit, dharma and adharma, both of them necessarily take for granted the kartrutva or the doership. And so, who is a meritorious person or who is the other one? The one who has this notion that I am the doer. Since this wise man is free from the notion of doership, he doesn't either do, he doesn't perform action that can be called meritorious or doesn't perform an action that can be called vicious. So, thus punya punya vivarjita panthaha. He walks on a path that is beyond the merit and demerit. Nistraigunye pasivicharatam ko vidhi ko nishedaha. There is another verse which says, so those who walk on the path which is beyond the three gunas, the world is made up of three gunas, sattva, rajas and tamas. And this kartrutva, bhoktrutva, all of this is within the realm of the three gunas, sattva, rajas and tamas. One has transcended them. When one knows the self as beyond the three gunas, and therefore never relates to who has transcended those gunas by knowledge. Nistraigunye pasivicharatam. So one who is walking on the path which is beyond the three gunas, ko vidhi, ko nishedaha. What vidhi or nisheda injunctions and prohibitions can be there for him? As I said, in Indian psyche, this idea of the vidhi and nisheda, or the do's and don'ts, is very powerful, at least in those days when these texts were written. Because Vedas are the pramanam, they are the, the, they are the words of God, and therefore they are the last words. And Vedas 
direct the life of a man by vidhi and nisheda, do's and don'ts. Do this and don't do this. When you perform a ritual or an action, do it this way, not that way. And thus, the do's and don'ts of vidhi and nisheda are in fact what govern the life of an individual. And that is bondage. That I'm obliged to perform an action because that's what I'm told to do. And I'm obliged to avoid something else because it is not proper. And when I perform an action, I'm obliged to perform an action in a certain way and not in another way. So person always feels a sense of obligation and a restraint which is placed upon the person by these do's and don'ts, which of course is required for an order in the society. But this man has become even free from that. He has become free even from the injunctions and prohibitions of the scriptures. Nistraigunye pasivicharatam ko vidhi ko nishedaha. What vidhi and nisheda, what injunctions and prohibitions can be there for the one who is walking the path that is beyond the three gunas? <coughs> so Shankaracharya says, punya punya vivarjita pantaha. The wise man is the one who is beyond this path of merit and demerit because he is no kartrutva. He doesn't do anything. <coughs> Yogi yoga niyojita chittaha. Because his chitta or the mind is niyoktam, is abiding where? In the yoga, is abides in the self. Ramate balon mattava deva. He always sports. This wise man always sports. Like what? Balavat, like a child. Unmattavat, like an intoxicated person. So his behavior is like a child. <coughs> How child is free? Free in the sense that the child has no inhibitions of the past. Doesn't remember what happened yesterday and deal with you, no. A child always deals moment to moment. Forgets what happened a few minutes ago also. So mind is always clear from the impression of the past. A child is the one who lives in present. As we grow up, then we become very uh, serious people, you know. And we become very conscious people, self-conscious. And what all you said yesterday and day before yesterday, all of that counts, you know. Everything, my behavior is governed not by the present, but always by the past. And all the anxieties of the future are always there. Children have no anxiety of the future also. What will happen tomorrow? Or are not concerned about what was done in the past. They forget. <coughs> we can't forget. Because we have grown up. That's why they say that wisdom is nothing but becoming a child again. A person should become as simple as one when that person was born, you know. When a man is born, how he is, without any clothes, that's how you are born. That means that there is no inhibition there, no self-consciousness at all of having to present oneself different from, as different from what one is. And so, no pretentiousness, whatever. In case of child, it may be due to utter ignorance. That's not the comparison here. The comparison is only spontaneity and innocence and freedom from past and future, living in the present. That's what the child, that's why somebody described Jesus Christ as a child. Because always in the present, you know, never carrying any burden of the past nor worrying about what is going to be in future. And then you are spontaneous. Spontaneity is when one is in the present. Otherwise there is deliberation. All the actions are deliberate taking into account what was done yesterday, what should be done tomorrow and everything. So when we perform an action, every action is always a calculated action. Taking into account whatever happened in the past and what it can, what can possibly happen in the future and taking all those things into account, we act. 
or we act impulsively out of anger, etc. But spontaneity is where there is no impulse, nor there is any calculation. Spontaneity is just moment to moment. So wise man is one who lives moment to moment, like a child. So Shankaracharya says, Ramate, and child is always happy. Freedom. Moment when there is freedom, there is happiness. Unmattavateva, like an intoxicated person. This man also is intoxicated. The ordinary person is intoxicated by some alcohol or whatever. This one is intoxicated by the very joy that is arising from his own heart. And how an intoxicated person is not in this world, he is in another world. Even though he is walking on this earth, he is not on this world, you know, he is in a different world. And so also the wise man is not in this world in that sense, in this world of strife and duality. So this is how the free person is described. And therefore, when it is compared to unmatta, an intoxicated person, sometimes pishaja is compared to a ghost, imagine. He walks like a ghost, or behaves like an intoxicated one, or like a child. Not that he has become ghost or intoxicated in that sense, but then, that freedom that those people enjoy, that some aspect of those personalities is what is meant here. So therefore, now, in or, now a person asks a question. That this man, the wise man, thinks that I am not affected by punya or papa, vice or virtue. And therefore, he is, suppose he has that kind of an abhimanam, he has this kind of an arrogance or pride that I am beyond all the injunctions and prohibitions. I am beyond all the rules and regulations. Because I am beyond, because Atma is always beyond the punya and papa. So suppose somebody says, I am the serf who is beyond punya and papa, married and demerit. And therefore, nothing happens to me, regardless of what I do. Would it happen that his behavior will become just swachanda, or will become, there will be total license, his behavior will become licentious? So, would a wise man become licentious because he knows that he is a self, un, unaffected by anything, unaffected by what is done, unaffected by what is experienced, and therefore, would it happen that he behaves in a licentious manner? or indulge in the things also in a licentious manner? Would it happen that? This kind of a doubt can arise. Would this wisdom make a person totally uh, unconcerned about the basic code of conduct or basic ethical values of life? Will it happen or not? So, this question is answered in the next passage. Or Another way of looking at the next passage is, Nanu asau jivanmu, jivanmuktaha idi katham anyayhi jnayate. Or look at it this way, that the earlier passage described the jivanmuktaha or this free person as a one who abides in his own knowledge, which is not accessible to us. Meaning, there is no way for us to know what is his wisdom and what is his vision. We do not know that. So how do we also get an idea that a person is Jeevan Mukta? Nanu asau Jeevan Mukta hai katham anyayi jnayate. Please tell us, how can other people know or what are the signs? Are there some indicatory marks that we can know that he is a wise man? So that question, let us say, is answered in the next passage. The passage 222 on the page 120.
अस्पूर्व विद्यमार विहारादीनावृत्तिवत शुभवासनावृत्तिर्भवे शुभाशुभयो विद्यमानानाम्व आहार विहारादीनाम अनुवृत्तिवत दिस व्हाट इज नोन एज अनुवृत्ति सो अनुवृत्ति मींस ए कंटिन्यूइटी ऑफ बिहेवियर दैट इज अ कंटिन्यूइटी ऑफ बिहेवियर आहार विहारादीनाम विथ रेफरेंस टू हिज ईटिंग वॉकिंग एटसेट्रा सो देयर इज अ कंटिन्यूइटी ऑफ बिहेवियरल पैटर्न विथ रेफरेंस टू हिज ऑर्डिनरी एक्ट सच एज ईटिंग ड्रिंकिंग वॉकिंग टॉकिंग एंड सो इवन द वाइज मैन ऑल्सो कंटिन्यूज टू परफॉर्म दीज एक्टिविटीज एज ही परफॉर्म अर्लियर अनुवृत्तिवत वृत्ति मीन्स एक्टन एक्शन और बिहेवियर अनुवृत्ति बिहेवियर एज बिफोर द आइडिया इज दैट द विजडम डज नॉट ब्रिंग अबाउट एनी काइंड ऑफ intrinsic change as far as his habits of eating etc are concerned so way he what our language used to speak earlier he continues to speak even when he is wise and whichever way is to walk and talk and do whatever he used to do that person continues to do in as much as there is no transformation or change occurring at the physical level whatever changes had to occur occur had already occurred even at the level of what we call when when the person is a seeker that is when all the transformation happens but the wisdom doesn't have to bring about any transformation at the level of the body or at the level of even the culture and the basic habits they continue to remain so continues to remain an indian or or a western or whatever it is you know those things don't change and so there is an anuvrutti aahara viharaadinam habits of eating moving etc there is they these things do persist there is a persistence of or continuity of the old kind of habits or old kind of patterns are there <coughs> if this is so then whatever he used to do in the past will continue so shubhavasana naam eva अनुवृत्ति or something which is proper or good so only good thoughts or the good behavioral patterns alone will persist in the wise man this is the idea 
शांत्यादिगुणे ज्ञानात् प्रागेव शांत्यादिगुणे शुभवासनायाः निवारित अशुभवासनायाः निवारितत्वात् सी ऑल द शुभ एंड द अशुभ शुभ मींस गुड अशुभ मींस बैड सो गुड थॉट्स एंड बैड थॉट्स व्हाट आर गुड थॉट्स गुड थॉट्स आर दिस दिस द थॉट्स ऑफ लव कंपैशन फॉरगिवनेस काइंडनेस charity accommodation this is what we call good thoughts or good values and what we call bad thoughts or the values are opposite of that so we find that in a wise man only this good thoughts or values persist the charity kindness accommodation love large heartedness whatever non violence truthfulness modesty humility these are the values which will continue in him why is it so because shantyadi gunehi ashubh vasanayah nivartatva because ashubh vasanas or what we call these bad qualities bad means those which which uh, are opposed to the knowledge all of these have already been eliminated by him during the time of what we call sadhana or during the time of his pursuit of knowledge so we t- talk about sadhana chatushtya sampatti talk of the four four qualification viveka discrimination vairagya dispassion and samadhi shatka sampatti the inner wealth consisting of shama etc the quiet of the mind damah the self control uparama an abidance titiksha forbearance shraddha the trust and the devotion samadhanam the single pointedness all these qualities they are deliberately cultivated in the past because unless these qualities are cultivated unless emotional maturity is there there is no way that the knowledge can take place or knowledge cannot abide so these were the obstacles to knowledge which he has eliminated in the past so there is no way that they will come back in short a wise man cannot be a bad person he cannot do anything you know uh, with malice or you know in a vicious manner he cannot he cannot wish ill of anybody else he cannot harm anybody else he cannot ever be you know uh, can court falsehood he cannot do that there cannot be pride or arrogance because if these things are there knowledge cannot take place in the first place understand as long as there is pride arrogance or as long as there is this uh, lack of charity accommodation so as long as those things are there there is no way that the mind is prepared to know the self so even in order to gain the knowledge these values were deliberately and painstakingly were cultivated by the seeker of knowledge and then the seeker becomes a knowing person and a wise person abiding in wisdom therefore all those good habits and all those good values or the noble values persist in him so this is the way that the other people can recognize at least the signs of wisdom it is not that we can necessarily judge a wise man or we can judge whether a person is wise or not but definitely after wisdom it is that fragrance of the personality which will definitely continue because his mind was fragrant as we said the mind can be compared to a fruit like a mango and how the mango when it is raw unripe 
how it is hard and green and sour in taste and without much fragrance. And when the mango ripens, becomes ripe, then it turns into yellow or orange and sweet and fragrant and soft. So this is what happens to a mango. It undergoes a complete transformation as a result of ripening or maturity. And so also the mind is to begin with raw, hard, without fragrance, sour or bitter. And as it undergoes this process of maturity as a result of persistent and consistent and, and, and deliberate pursuit of this knowledge and values, it slowly and slowly becomes ripe, becomes fragrant, becomes sweet, becomes, you know, soft, tender. So the, the heart of a wise man is very tender, very soft, very sweet, fragrant. And so it is sweetness, softness, tenderness, fragrance alone, which will naturally be evident from that person. <clears throat> That's what he will radiate or spread around himself. So this is how we can see to some extent, because whatever sensitivity we have, we do not have a sensitivity to tune up with his frequency and wavelength, let us say. But whatever we can tune up, what is... Just as without any effort he continues to eat and walk and do those things, you know, without any effort. Similarly also, Shubhanam Yovasananam Anuruttihi Bhavati Na Ashubhanam. It is only the good or the fragrant uh, and uh, uh, proper values which continue in him and not the other ones. Because other ones have already been discarded even when he was pursuing the knowledge. <clears throat> then the wise man also seems to be performing only good actions and avoiding bad actions. In that case, what is the difference between him and a seeker? Another question is, now we want to see some signs, but those who are pursuing knowledge also deliberately are good for people. You know? So he is also a good person, and the people who are seekers are also good person. Then what's the difference between the two? So how do we distinguish a wise man, a mature person, from the one who is trying to become mature? If both, if goodness is the only sign, then how do we recognize a wise man or distinguish it from what we call a seeker? <coughs> and so it is said, Shuha Shuvayoho Audasinyamva. Or maybe we might say, Audasinyam. He becomes indifferent to Shubha and Ashubha, meaning he does not make any deliberate attempt to perform a good action or to avoid a bad action. He is indifferent to his actions. So either we will find that all the actions that he performs are spontaneously good, or we find that he is indifferent to what is good and what is bad, because there is no kartrutva or the sense of doership. He doesn't have to make an effort also to be good. He's spontaneously good, but we find that he's indifferent to any particular actions which can be, which would be called by us as good. The thing is, what is good and what is bad is something that other people judge according to their own standards. Very often, therefore, these great people also have been condemned and criticized by other people who could not understand them. And therefore, maybe as we say, they are not on this earth. They have a different perception of the life. 
and therefore they are acting as guided by altogether different kind of a perception. And so it is diffi- difficult for the ordinary people to understand them. And I don't think there's any, any great man who has not been condemned by the people of his time. History may recognize him to be great, all right. But I'm sure that at that time, I don't think that they found any great appreciation. Or, even if they had admired us, definitely they also had people who condemned them or criticized them. Because people cannot always understand them. So we find that he is indifferent to what we call good and bad. Although he's spontaneously good, because his life is only meant for the welfare of the people, he is, since he has nothing to accomplish himself, whatever he can do will be only for the welfare, well-being of the people. And still people may not see their welfare in what he does. You see? He may act out of the desire for welfare of the people, but people may not so evaluate it. And therefore, people may feel that he is performing actions which we call bad. We find that he is indifferent to that, meaning he continues to do what he does. Indifference to shubha and ashubha, good and bad. Whether good and bad are judged by the ordinary people, and he is indifferent to the so-called good and bad. <coughs> But better than that to say is that his actions are always spontaneously good. And that is only proper to say. <coughs> this Audasinyam is also explained in the, in the, in the text called Gautama uh, Dharma Shastra. There was a sage Gautama and he has written the aphorisms uh, of Dharma. And there also he talks about a wise man. See, all these Smriti Granthas, like Manasmriti, all those what we call the books of law, those books of law don't always confine, merely confine themselves to law, but you find everything in there. And similarly also in this Gautama Smriti, Samo Bhuteshu Himsa Anugrahayo. says, who is a wise man? Samaha Bhuteshu. He is equal to all the beings. Himsa Anugrahayo. So, audasinya or indifference is interpreted this way. Says, shubha shubhayoho audasinyam va. Audasinyam means indifference. What kind of an indifference? Samo bhuteshu himsa anugrahayoho. Whether people hurt him or people help him, he is indifferent. His indifferent means he is equally good to whoever it is, whether the people are kind to him or cruel to him. He does not reciprocate with kindness only to those who are kind and reciprocate with cruelty to those who are cruel. A tooth for the tooth, an eye for the eye, he says, no. That was discarded. I am telling you now that this tooth for tooth and eye for eye is not the way. If someone slaps you on one cheek, then you hold the other cheek. See, this is what. So, samo sarvabhute, samo bhuteshu himsa anugrahayoho. Himsa and anugraha where people are cruel or kind, he is equally, you know, he is equal or good to all of them. Meaning he is indifferent to, their, indifferent to their kindness or cruelty. So that's the kind of indifference that we see. Indifference to the kindness or cruelty, which enables him to be spontaneously good. Otherwise, if my being good is condition or subject to condition of someone else being good to me, then that's all contract, you know, that is conditional, conditioned love or conditioned kindness, which is what people have. We are also very kind, 
but to those who are kind to us. And if they turn unkind to us, slowly and slowly our kindness also evaporates. But not here. He has, a un, he has an unlimited store of kindness or goodness which cannot be exhausted regardless of what other people, how other people treat him. So, samo bhuteshu himsa anugrahyoho anarambhi. Another sutra, another aphorism describing a wise man says, anarambhi, the one who does not undertake any projects for his personal welfare. He may undertake any kinds of projects for the welfare of the people, but for his personal welfare, he doesn't undertake any projects at all because no welfare is desired. <coughs> also it is said in, uh, in Mahabharata, Nirashishamanarambham nirnamaskaramastudim akshinam kshinakarmanam tam devaha brahmanam viduhu tam devaha brahmanam viduhu the devatas, even the gods also call him brahmana. So what is the real ideal of brahmana? In India there was this caste system Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra. And what really was meant by the word Brahmana? Brahma Janadi Brahmanaha. Brahman is the one who has the knowledge of Brahma. He is called Brahmana in the, in, the, in the ultimate sense. Although generally a Brahmana is the one who is born in the Brahmin caste. But ultimately what is intended by the word Brahmana is Brahma Janadi Brahmanaha. Janmana Jayate Shudra. Vidya karmana bhavati dvijaha, vidya bhavati vidya vipram bhavati, brahma janati brahmanaha. When one is born, one is born shudra. Shudra means the lowest caste. And then slowly and slowly by performing rituals etc. and you know, he slowly becomes a vaishya. Then by the knowledge and wisdom, knowledge he becomes a, a, a vipra, brahmin. And by wisdom he becomes Brahma. So Tam Devaha Brahmanam Viduhu. So this is a person whom the Devatas call Brahmana. It's also important. Who are the people who call him wise? As Swami used to say, Maharshi so and so. Who gave him the title of Maharshi? His driver, you know. So who gives the title also is important. So this title of Brahmana is given to him by Devatas. The gods call him Brahmana. That means it really counts. Who, are, who is he? Nirashisham. One is free from Ashisha, free from all expectations or all needs. Anarambham. One who is free from any undertakings for his personal welfare because his welfare is accomplished. Nirnamaskaram. One who does not salute anybody. Not that he is arrogant. Nirnamaskaram meaning there is no need for him to seek anybody's uh, favor. Nishnamaskaram astutim or who doesn't praise anybody also because this namaskara and the praise are not meant for getting any favor. Akshinam, Kshinakarmanam, one who is beyond exhaustion or death, Kshinakarmanam, one who is immortal, one who is, one who is, uh, who is free from the bondage of karma. Tam Devaha Brahmanam Viduhu, he is called a Brahmana. Amaunam Maunam Che. Nirvidya asab brahmana hiti brahudaranika shradescha. So brahudaranika Upanishad also describes a brahmana. <coughs> who is brahmana? The one who has studied the scriptures. And as a result, who has gained the knowledge. Having gained the knowledge, one who deliberates upon the knowledge. As a result, one who becomes muni. And then, 
this Muni also slowly and slowly gives up, then one who does Nididhyasanam and thus gains an abundance of knowledge and gives up in the effort also of meditation and becomes Brahmana, meaning one who abides in the knowledge. So what Brahmana in the scriptures is employed primarily in the sense of the wise man. Tathāca avudāsīnyam eva muktalakshanam na vidhipartantra pravruttimatvam nava nishedatikramahidi bhāvaha and therefore, what is the mukta lakshanam? The characteristic of one who is free is audasinya, meaning indifference. Indifference in this sense. Indifference in the sense of the, whether somebody prostrates to him, whether somebody praises him, or whatever it is, he is indifferent in this manner. And not that he is licentious in his behavior, or not that he is under the control of somebody. So, neither he is under control of anybody, nor does he control anybody. Yasmano dvijate lokaha, lokano dvijate chayaha. One who is not afraid of the people, nor who is a source of fear for others. So one who does not entertain fear within himself from others, nor does he become, nor does he become the source of fear for anybody else. This is called audasinyam or indifference. And this kind of indifference is the characteristic of the wise man. Not that his behavior is licentious or he does whatever he wants to do. And this is supported by the passage from another text, says the next passage. Taduktam buddha dvaita satatvasya buddha dvaita satatvasya yatheshta charanam yadi yatheshta charanam yadi Shunam tattvadrushan chaiva, Shunam tattvadrushan chaiva, Kobhedo shuchi bhakshane, Kobhedo shuchi bhakshane, Iti, Brahma vittam tathamuktva, Brahma vittvam tathamuktva, Saatma gnyona chetaraha, Saatma gnyona chetaraha, Iti Brahma vittvam, not Brahma Vittam, but Brahma Vittvam should be there. <coughs> so here the author quotes a verse from a text called Naishkarma Siddhi, which has been referred to often in this text, written by Sureshwaracharya, a direct disciple of Shankaracharya. There he says, Buddha Advaita Satatvasya. Buddha Advaita Satatvasya. Satatva means Yathatmyam. Advaita Satatvasya. So Advaita Satatvam Buddham Yenasaha. The one who is wise to this tattva. The one who is wise to the truth which is non-dual. So one who is, one who is wise or knower of the truth which is non-dual. Meaning one who abides in the knowledge of Brahman which is non-dual, a wise man. Yatheshta charanam yadi. If that person has yatheshta charanam, if that person also acts according to his whims or licentious, suppose a person who abides in the knowledge of the truth which is non-dual, if you find from that person also what we call licentious behavior, he eats whatever he wants, drinks whatever he wants, does whatever he wants, suppose this kind of a licentious behavior we find in him, Sunam tattva drushan chaiva kobhedaha 
Ashuchi Bhakshan. Suppose he eats, and these people are very particular about the, you know, eating and drinking, what you eat and what you drink. So this Shuchi, Shuchi means purity is to be obtained, measured, I mean maintained at all levels. Purity in the level of body, purity in food that you eat and whatever. And therefore, great restrictions are there about what you should not eat, also. So, eating meat, etc. is strictly prohibited. Or, or indulging in alcohol and all of these are definitely prohibited. Suppose you find a wise man now indulging in those kind of things. Where this is prohibited? Perhaps in the western country where this is not prohibited, so a wise man also may continue to eat and drink because it was not prohibited to begin with. But in a place like India, where there are very strict injunctions about uh, what is to be eaten and what is to be avoided, suppose you find a wise man who is free, in the name of freedom you find him indulging into any kind of behavior of eating, drinking and behavior, then what? She says, Ko bhedaha asuchi bhakshanam. Asuchi bhakshanam, if he's eating something that is an impure stuff, then what's the difference between him and a dog? So the question is that if he also eats an impure stuff in the name of wisdom or freedom, then we do not see any difference between him and a dog. So dog also without hesitation eats all that stuff and if this person also eats that, that means that we don't call him wise. In short, yathesta charanam or licentious behavior or behaving according to whims is not the indifference. When we say that the wise man is indifferent to the good or bad, does not mean that he is indifferent to the, you know, the accepted code of conduct of the society, etc. He doesn't behave according to him, you know, whimsical manner or in a licentious manner. He is indifferent in as much as he doesn't even make any specific effort to be good. He doesn't make a specific effort to avoid bad action. Nor does he make a specific effort to perform good action because he is spontaneously good and therefore he doesn't have to make any specific effort to be good. But we cannot expect from him a licentious behavior. <coughs> and also he said, Brahma Vitvam Tasamuktva Saatmagnyona Chetaraha. There are some other verses quoted here from the same text, Naishkarma Siddhi. says here, that even a seeker doesn't have, even a mamukshu, the one who is seeking knowledge, he is a very conscientious person and deliberately avoids what is bad and does what is good. A seeker is the one who is deliberate. And this deliberateness culminates into what we call spontaneity. So understand three levels of behavior. One is what we call the impulsive behavior. Other is what we call the deliberate behavior. And third is what we call spontaneous. An ignorant person who is under the spell of likes and dislikes and passions, that person usually is an impulsive person, acts out of impulse. A seeker of knowledge is what we call a deliberate person. He is a conscientious person and therefore he deliberately performs actions which are good and avoids actions which are bad. So what we call a sadhaka or a mumukshu or a seeker of knowledge is what we call deliberate. And as a result of this deliberate pursuit of what is right or proper and good and noble, slowly, slowly that becomes spontaneous. Then he, when he becomes wise, this becomes spontaneous. So wise man is spontaneously good. A mumukshu, a seeker is deliberately good. 
whereas an, an, an in non-discriminate person is impulsively good or bad, whatever. So, impulsive, deliberate and spontaneous. So, even when this person was a seeker of knowledge, at that time he was a deliberately good person, and therefore now that he has become wise, you don't expect him to become bad, you don't expect him to change the other way around. And so it is said, Yohiyatra viraktasyat, Yohiyatra viraktasyat, nasau tasmin pravartate. Lokatrayad viraktatvad, mumukshu kimiti hate. So one will not have any, one will not engage into activity where one, is dis, one has become dispassionate. Meaning, when one has become free from attachment or passion naturally, one does not indulge into activities anymore. Idea is, if you have cultivated this passion, let us say, from certain pleasure seeking, then you naturally don't do that because you are no more interested in that. Nasau tasmin pravartate. A person will not uh, ever uh, engage himself or herself in those activities or in those actions where one has lost any attachment or fascination. Lokatrayadvaraktatvat. Who is a mumukshu? Who is the one seeking moksha? Lokatrayat viraktaha. One who has discovered a dispassion from all the three worlds. He is a mumukshu. So mumukshu is the one who wants nothing less than infinity or limitless. Mumukshu is the one who wants to settle for nothing less than the total. And therefore, naturally there is a dispassion from the accomplishments and the pleasures of this world and the other world also. He doesn't want the earth or the heavens, so nothing he wants. So, lokatrayad viraktatvat, mumukshu is the one whose dispassion has culminated into a stage when his dispassion, dispassionate or free from passion for any kinds of pleasures available in this world or the other world. Mumukshu kimiti ihate, that mumukshu is not going to desire anything in this world. And therefore, how do you expect a wise man desiring any pleasures? No. If a mumukshu or a seeker of knowledge also is free from desires for pursuit of pleasure, then you cannot expect a wise man to pursue pleasures anyway. <coughs> then another illustration is given. Kshudhaya pidyamanopi navisham hyattumichari. Somebody who is suffering, who is, who is starving. So one who is suffering from the pangs of starvation, even that person also, he will not want to eat poison. Suppose I am starving and I want food and there is food in front of me, I am about to eat that food. And somebody says, wait a minute, poison is mixed and there is food, am I going to eat it? No. Even a starving person also will not want to eat poison. Then, mishtanat bhastatrujjanan namurastat jhitsari. Then what to talk of a person who is already full, in, you know, whose stomach is full? With mishtana, mishtana with means sweet. So when even a person who is starving for seven days will not want to eat poison because he knows it is detrimental, then what to do with a person who is totally satisfied with the food that is sweet and totally enjoyable, and there is one who is totally free from hunger, would that person ever want to eat poison? No. So even when a, a hungry person would not want to eat poison, what dog a person who is totally satisfied? 
When a mumuksu would not desire any, any, pursue any pleasures, then what to talk of? I mean a wise man pursuing them. <coughs> pursuing them means running after them. Wise man also will enjoy whatever comes to him. But to pursue and run after things is a different thing. Rāgo lingama bodhasya chitta vyāyama bhūmiṣu When you find rāga or attachment, when you find a passion for enjoyments and sense pleasures, he says lingam abodhasya. That is an evidence or a sign of ignorance. This is the raga, attachment or a desire for seeking pleasure at any sensuous level is only an expression of ignorance. Kutaschadvratasya yasyagmi kotare taroho. And this raga or the passion is like fire. As long as that fire of passion is there, how can the foliage of knowledge arise there? Gives an example here that imagine a tree. In the, uh, in the tree sometimes there is a hollow, you know, that sometimes the trees have become hollow because of insects, etc. So suppose in the hollow of the tree somebody has lighted fire. Would there ever be green foliage in this tree? No way. How can there be foliage or flowers on a tree where there is fire at the root? And similarly also, how can there be knowledge or wisdom where there is this fire of passion or the sense pleasure seeking in the heart? There is no way that the knowledge will ever flower there. And therefore, in the wise man, we definitely see a spontaneous dispassion, meaning a spontaneous freedom or fullness, which, you know, which makes him free from the need to pursue anything, any pleasures. <coughs> and Brahma Vitvam Tathamuktva Saatmagnyona Chetaraha. That is a verse that is quoted from a text called Upadesha Sahasri written by Shankaracharya. This is second line of another verse. First line, Yo Veda Lupta Dushtitvam Atmano Kartrutam Tasa Brahma Vitvam Tasa Muktva Sa Atmagnyo Nachetaraha. Says in Upadesha Sahasri Shankaracharya, Yo Veda, one who knows, what does he know? Alupta Dushtitvam Atmanaha. One who knows the self as Alupta Dushtihi. One who knows the self as witness. Which is what? What kind of witness? The undying or changeless witness. So one who knows the self is awareness, which is a changeless witness. Akartrutantatha, and know the self also is akarta or the non-doer. Brahmavitvam tathamuktva, and one who is even free from the notion that I am a wise man, you know, that I am a knower. See, one is free from even notion that I am a knower, because knower also is a notion. One knows oneself as Brahman and not a knower of Brahman. So, Atmagnya, Nachaitaraha, he alone is a knower of the self and not the anybody else. So, all of these verses here tell us that a wise man who abides in the knowledge, who is spontaneously good, because he is full, complete, free, and therefore we cannot expect any kind of licentiousness or behavior or uh, what you call uh, improper behavior from him. Yes, it is possible that ordinary people may not be able to judge him and therefore ordinary people may brand him as, as uh, you know, doing something which is wrong or bad for the society, but certainly not. Any discerning person will be able to see that a wise man is the one who is spontaneously good. <coughs> And that's the point here. So this is how, to some extent, we can recognize. Someone was other day asking me, Swami, how do we know about a guru? 
So in Viveka Chudamani, Shankaracharya gives a description of who is a guru. says, Ahetuka Dayasindhu, one who is an ocean of compassion for no reason at all. Nirindhana Ivanalaha, one who enjoys the tranquility of the mind like the fire which is extinguished. So fire without the fuel. So we have those embers, burning embers, but without any more, any fuel. So there is no flame. So fire without the flame. So how it is burning? It is illumined and without any restlessness. And so, so one who enjoys that mind, one who abides in Brahman. And so, he is the one who is Shrotriyaha, Avrujinaha, Akamahataha, one who is wise, one who is sinless, one who is free from desires and passions. And Brahmani Uparataha, Shantaha, one who is tranquil, one who is peaceful, one who abides in Brahman. And one whose mind is illumined and tranquil like the fire without the fuel. Ahetuka Dayasindhu, one who is the ocean of compassion. Banduhu Anamatam Satam, and one who is a natural friend or a well-wisher or helper of the one of those who come to him, refu- take refuge of him. This is how a guru is described by Shankaracharya. And so understand that all of these things are important. These things are being discussed so elaborately because what is spontaneous in case of wise man becomes a value for a seeker. And so being good is a value for a seeker. If one seeker is, is deliberately good, so that that same person becomes spontaneously good. So deliberation culminates into spontaneity. <coughs> okay. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyate Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutau Vande Bhagavantau Punapunaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shantishantishantihi Harihi Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Harihi Om